Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first installment of uh, Three Outs Podcast. Uh, this is a podcast written by me. Um, for those of you who don't, most of y'all probably, actually, I don't think, if y'all, unless y'all come from my TikTok, none of y'all know me. Uh, my name is Jackson. I'm a Cardinal fan. Um, and I love baseball. I, I guess that's what I can say. If you hear a humming in the background, by the way, that is my fan, and I I can't turn it off right now, so just for this first episode, I'll be able to turn it off next episode, just for this first one, uh, we are, you are, just have to deal with it, um, I will try and get that fixed though. It is also 12.41am whenever I'm recording this, because it's the only quiet time where I can get it, um, so, yeah. So this first episode, uh, what I want to talk about, something that's come to attention of me and a bunch of other people in the MLB and stuff like that, like all that, this big community that we have, this big like uh, MLB community, is that a lot of people say a person is underrated, but then everyone else says that person is underrated. Like uh, Whit Merrifield, for example. I always thought he was underrated. I thought he was really underrated. Uh, this was before everyone started saying it. But now with Merrifield's properly rated because everyone says he's underrated. You get where I'm coming from? It's like the same thing that happened with Bryce Harper. Everything said Everyone said that he was uh, overrated. And now he's one of the more underrated players in the league. He's just overpaid. And... Uh, what what they didn't think about was that they expected Harper to keep on playing at that 2015 MVP level whenever that's not him. I mean, of course, that year was amazing. It was one of the best years by a right fielder in a, in a long time, um, especially for MVP caliber. But just because, you know... He got paid a bunch. People started calling him overrated. And he became one of the more underrated players in the league because everyone started calling him overrated. But with Merrifield, on the other hand, has become properly rated because everyone knows what you're going to get out of him. You you know what you're going to get out of Merrifield. You know how you're going to, you know, use Merrifield. Everyone knows who what Merrifield is now. So that doesn't make him underrated. Just like uh, Trey Turner, for example. I know Nats fans are going to get mad at me, but no, he's not underrated. <laughs> Everyone knows that he had the best year at shortstop this year. And sure, did he not get picked for an all-MLB team? Yeah. That's the reason why was because of his stats. If we went off stats, he definitely would have been first-team all-MLB. Or at least second-team. The thing is, it was a popularity contest. And you know who's more popular than him? Fernando Tatis Jr. Now... I'm not saying that Tatis deserved it at all. I'm just saying that Trey Turner deserved it more. I don't think Tatis had as good of a year as everyone think he did. I think he had that really good hot stretch. And then after that, it just kind of cooled down a bunch. Um, and people are still calling him a top, what, top Five top. I've seen someone say it was the best shortstop in the league, and that's just not true. Um, Story, Lindor, 
uh, probably Trey Turner and Corey Seager are all better than Tatis. And you could almost even make a case for Xander Bogarts being better. And I don't personally think Xander is better. I've seen people make valid arguments for Xander being better. But personally, without going in order at all, uh, the top five shortstops in my eyes are Lindor, Story, uh, Trey Turner, Seager, and Tatis. Now, one thing I've also noticed... Now, let's talk about some overrated players now. Fernando Tatis Jr. I think is a little overrated. Now, reminder, overrated does not mean bad. It does not mean Fernando Tatis Jr. is bad at all. He's one of the better shortstops in the league. I'll give him credit where credit is due. But, he's definitely overhyped. I think that, um, and most of it just comes from swinging on a 3-0 count. Which, cool, I don't really care. I mean, you swung on a 3-0 count, good job. You want a cookie or something? <laughs> I mean, I don't really care. I mean, I don't understand the hype around it. I mean, you broke an unwritten rule. I mean, I break unwritten rules every day. Where's my MLB first? Where's my all MLB first team at? You know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> I'm joking, of course. Uh, but, honestly, I think he's a little overhyped. Um, now, I saw someone say... That Kwang Hun Kim, uh, he's a starting pitcher. He was 31 years old this year. He came up for the Cardinals, produced big time for us, and he was a 31-year-old rookie. Now, I want to know, where do you find a 31-year-old rookie that comes up and puts up some pretty decent stats, um... Here's here's a stat line this year. Uh, he went three zero, which I mean, granted, wins don't matter that much. Um, he pitched thirty nine innings. Okay, this yeah, okay. So he only pitched thirty nine innings this year. But that's also because he was worked as a closer at the beginning of the year. He had one save. I think he had like three save opportunities. Maybe I'm not sure. He had twenty four strikeouts. He didn't strike out much. He didn't strike people out much. Um, he had a, uh, a ERA plus of 2.69, he had a ERA of 1.62, he had a FIB of 3.88, a WHIP of 1.026, a hit per 9 of 6.5, 0.7 home run per 9, a 2.8 walk per 9, a strikeout per 9 at 5.5, um, and this man wasn't really mentioned much. Now, sure, will we take a giant? Will we take a step back next year? More than likely. I don't think Kwang Hun Kim, at the age of 32, going to his second pro season, will perform like he did this year. But if he does, you got to think that this Cardinal rotation could actually be pretty good and fly under the radar for most people. Um, and as you guys know, we just signed Wayne right back. We signed him to a, I believe, one-year, eight million deal. It's five million dollars in salary. And three million in incentives, I believe, is from I think per John Heyman, um, which is actually uh, less than I thought we would be getting Wayne right at. Especially, uh, I thought we were gonna have to give him like ten million, about the same we'd have to, like a little less than we'd have to pay Wong, about the same we'd have to pay, uh, pay Molina. Uh, by the way, we need to re-sign Molina because we do not have a catcher ready for the big leagues yet. Andrew Kisner, of course, did fine. Um, I think Andrew Kisner could possibly be a starting catcher one day. 
and that day is probably coming very soon. I just think he needs a little more development time. I just realized it's becoming a cardinal cast. A cardinal podcast. Um, trust me, we're going to talk more about some, uh, some other uh, teams. But, uh, back to what I was saying with Kwang Hong Kim, people are calling him overrated because he had, you know, a good year, but I never heard anyone mention Kwang Hong Kim. Like, okay, just because, like, three events stats say that he'll probably take a leap back next year, does that mean he's overrated? No, that just means he'll probably take a step back next year. And no one says he's... I. No one even mentions him when top 20 pitchers. I mean, I don't know if he is. Um, top 30. Top 35 to 30 is where I put Kwang Hun Kim. Um, and as of next year, our rotation is probably going to look something like Jack Flaherty at 1. Uh, more than likely, KK at 2. And then you're going to have a uh, a stretch with, like, Nicholas. It's Nicholas, I believe. At three, probably Seamart to start, uh, Carlos Martinez to start off the year. And then probably, uh, probably Wainwright at five. But I don't think they should start Carlos Martinez, mainly because I don't know if Martinez, I'm kind of tired of waiting for him to develop into a starter, you know? He just, he didn't really find it this year. From what I watched and stats. Um, and I just, I don't know if he really has it as much as another guy like uh, Austin Gomer, who could definitely come up and be a, a, at most, or at least decent starter, like a five or even a four starter. Um, Daniel Ponce de Leon, after he came back. Uh, up from being sent down to the alternate camp this year. Daniel Ponce de Leon actually had a really good stretch. And <laughs> it was it was kind of crazy, you know. Um, he had, wait, he took a no-hitter into the seventh inning, and a or into the sixth inning in a double-hitter. Which, that was crazy, I was watching it. I love Ponce. Okay, not, not like that, but like, I like Ponce as a person. If you don't know the story of Daniel Ponce de Leon, go look it up. By the way, um, I guess we're going to our next segment here. We're going to discuss some of the free agency moves that happened. Um, now, first, before I start this next segment, I want to give a uh, I want to give a reminder to you. My social medias, um, uh, my TikTok is Belly Bombs, Belly dot Bombs. That's like Bellinger, like. B E L L I dot bombs. Um, go follow me on there. I'll be posting updates about this podcast regularly. I also have another podcast I run with one of my friends. Um, it's called Perfect Game Podcast. And we actually did a free agency update video. Um, I think it came out like a week ago. Uh, go, uh, the YouTube channel is Perfect Game Podcast. Um, where you try to do a podcast at least once every week, so we're going to do one, uh, this Friday, uh, and we'll probably have it out by Saturday or Sunday. Alright, now let's transfer into this next segment. <laughs> so, um, what you have is, 
leading us into this next segment, free agency, let's talk about the Padres. I think the Padres have definitely won the offseason so far, especially with acquiring Blake Snell and Hugh Darvish, one who has won a Cy Young and one who has had a few actually really good years uh, in coming second in Cy Young voting, I believe, second behind Bauer in 2020. And you get that, you throw that in a rotation with uh, Denelson Lament, Chris Paddock, and at, the, at that time, Joey Lucchesi. You see that, and you're like, well, you know, this, this is a pretty good rotation. This is actually a really good rotation. And more than likely, you're going to have Snell at the one. You'll have uh, probably Darvish at two, Lamed at f- uh, three, uh, Paddock at four, and at the time, Joey Lucchesi at five. And then they up and trade Joey Lucchesi for... Or no, I guess at that time it was actually Zach Davies. Or no, I guess they had to... Yeah, they traded Zach Davies at that point. They had, tra- they had already traded him. They gave up Luis Patino, who I think under that Rays pitching development could be an absolute stud of a pitcher. Uh, because you know what the Rays... You know what the Rays can do. They... Uh, they transform broken pitchers, as we saw with Tyler Glass now, into at at most decent to good pitchers. We saw it with Nick Anderson. I mean, we even seen it with Blake Snell, even a little. And we've seen it multiple times in the past. They took Charlie Morton, and what he come top seven and Cy Young in twenty nineteen, right? Something like that. Top ten, I know. Had an amazing year in twenty nineteen. And, you know, didn't have the best year this year to start out. Um, but pitched pretty decent in the postseason. Uh, actually, I think it was more than, per- it, you know, somewhere. Decent is something I use a lot as, like, a term for good. Um, so if I say decent and the guy's actually done really good, just think like, I'm saying he's done really good. I, I, I use decent way too much. I overuse it. <laughs> Um, but, uh, like we're, like we were saying, you take this Padres team, uh, and they sign Ha Sung Kim, I believe I'm saying that right, if I'm not, please let me know, I believe I am saying that right though, and they signed him, and then that left a, a, a question, where's Kim gonna play, is he gonna ride the bench the first year, well, you're paying this man what, didn't they pay him like 10 million dollars? You're not going to pay someone $10 million to come off your bench. So you got to ask a question. Well, he's an infielder. Is he going to replace Tatis or Machado? No. Is he going to replace Hosmer? He didn't play first base, I don't think. He didn't play catcher, so Noah has his position. And then you come to second base, you're like, okay, what do we do with Jake Cronenworth here? And then you know that Cronenworth can play. Uh, they've been trying to work him in the outfield. So you're like, okay. We'll move into left field because Myers and Grisham are coming off some pretty good years. A pretty good year. And you're like, well, where does that leave Tommy Pham? And they and I feel like they're gonna run into this logjam where they're gonna have someone coming off their bench who could be a starter on any other team. You know what I'm saying? And you know, I think that's what happened to the Dodgers in twenty twenty. They had Kike Hernandez usually coming off that bench. Uh and Jock Peterson coming off the bench against lefties. Uh, as that, and I guess that doesn't really count because that was a platoon situation with Pollock and 
uh, Jock Peterson. But like I was saying, Kike Hernandez, he's going to get starting time in the in uh, Boston now, which I guess brings me to my next point: the Boston Red Sox signing Kike Hernandez. Um, I kind of expected this. I mean, the potential targets for Kike were kind of low, in my opinion. I don't think there were many targets for Kike, especially since a lot of teams have their second baseman filled up. You look at the NL West, I think every single team there has their second base spot filled up, or at least filled with someone who they believe can be better than Kike. NL Central, you look at it, most teams there, other than, I mean, even the Cardinals did with Tommy Edmond, but you, uh, the Pirates don't really count. Are they really even a team anymore? <laughs> but I think Kike will get uh, every day playing time more than likely at second base for the Red Sox. And if they even need to, they can move him out to left field and have Michael uh, Michael Chavis. I believe that's how you say his name. Michael Chavis? Chavis? I don't know. Please tell me. And uh, Please tell me if I'm wrong. They could have Kike move out to left field and have uh, Chavis or Chavis play second. Uh, and if they need to, they can move Benintendi to right or even have Kike play right. Because more than likely, I would expect Verdugo to play center field next year. Because I doubt Benintendi is going to move to center field below average defender. And Verdugo has some nice solid speed and a actually pretty good glove for him. Uh... And I think with the way it's shaping out, the Dodgers are definitely winning that trade right now. No doubt. But I think in the future, if the Red Sox can keep a hold of Verdugo for most of his career, or a good portion of his career, to where they are championship contenders, or they even win a World Series, I think they may have won a part of that trade. Giving up Mookie Betts is not something you should do. That man is a generational talent. Um, so, it's just... It, it, it was weird to me whenever it happened. But, I think now with the that Red Sox team, they have some of my favorite young players on that team too, and I hate the Red Sox. Um, of course, I mean, my favorite player on the team is without being no doubt, Bobby Dalvik. Man, let's let's actually talk about Dalvik for a minute. Dalvik came up and had a electrifying first few games. Didn't he set a rookie record for home runs hit in consecutive games? It was like four home runs hit in four consecutive games. I'm, I may be wrong on that. I'm doing this live. I'm not looking anything up. Uh, other than the KK stats. And you look at that, and I, I think it was four home runs and four games consecutive, I think, is what happened. And you, they still have Rafi Devers. Christian Vasquez has a nice backstop that, you know, probably will have some solid playing, or actually be like an everyday player for the Red Sox. And they still have Xander Bogarts, who is coming off a... A better year. Uh, a better year than um, a lot of people expected him to have, I think. Um, 
At second base, they'll have Kike, and at first, like I said, they'll have Dalbic. They still have J.D. Martinez, one of the premier DHs in the league, even if he didn't show it this year. Um, that man is still a pr premier DH in the league. Him, Cruz, and I would say Marcelo Zuna are all premier DHs in the league. I'm sorry if I sound very monotone right now. Usually this is not how I am. But I had to record this late because I would have had no no quiet if I didn't. Next episode I should be all happy and everything, but yeah. Um let's talk about the Jays, I guess. Uh Jays signed George Springer out of like I guess not really out of nowhere. But the hot stove heated up. As soon as, like, <laughs> I mean, I know me and my friend, we were talking about where George Springer was going to sign. And I said, likely the Jays, Astros, or Mets. Two hours later, um, the, let's see, uh, I think it was John Heyman, or it was Jeff Passan. One of them uh, tweeted about George Springer to the Jays. I'm like, oh my, I was right. And by the way, uh, on TikTok, uh, what's, the, what's the dude's name? Is it, uh, it's, it's the Diamond Club. There, it's this group, I think of three MLB TikTokers. It's Raymond's girlfriend, that's Amy. Dan Schmolt, I believe is pronouncing his name. And Trevor Fanstrom. I think it was Dan? Who guessed both LeMayhew and Springer correctly. And let's see. And other than that, though. Uh, oh, yeah. they. Let's talk about Kirby Yates real quick. Kirby Yates, in my opinion, is still a top five closer in the league. He didn't play this year, but that was due to injury. And I think you can't really let 2018 and 2019 just go to waste when looking at his stats. Because that man, that dude, was the lights out. I mean, of course, I don't think he's top two anymore. I do think Hendricks and Hayter are probably one and two. I think Hayter's probably one. Uh, this is just my opinion, by the way. You can have yours. But I think Hater being one is probably the best place to put him. Hendrix is probably two. And then you could kind of put Kirby Yates at three. Nick Anderson at four, probably. Uh, Chapman, Brad Hand, those guys at five, six. You know, you know what I'm talking about. I think one and two are kind of interchangeable. And then, like, three through, like, six is kind of interchangeable. Um, it's just it's just how you look at stats and how you value stats is, is what I think of it as. Um, we are kind of running up near that 30-minute mark, which is kind of where I want to keep this at. So, I think we close this out with the JT Romuto signing. Uh, Ramuto, of course, signed to the Philadelphia Phillies. It was a record-breaking contract. Um, I think it's the highest since 
Joe Maurer's contract? Or was it Buster Posey's contract? I'm not sure. Someone's gonna have to... Someone's gonna have to, to, to tell me about that. I'm pretty sure it was Joe Maurer. Who got a bigger, got a big contract. And, oh yeah, we gotta talk about the White Sox. Uh, the last thing, of course, White Sox... They signed Liam Hendricks, which puts them in an amazing place for that bullpen. Losing Colome, um, they get Hendricks. I think they could probably still go after Colome again. Although I think, more than likely, Colome will end up with the Phillies because they need bullpen help bad. Uh, especially since the Phillies had like the worst bullpen in the league. And they signed, they traded for Lance Lynn. Which I think is going to be a really good pickup. It'll be another veteran presence in that rotation. And Lynn is a, a top 20 to 15, top 20 to 15 pitcher in the league. Um, I don't know if he's top 10. It just, uh, I don't think he's top 10. He, I think he's like probably borderline, like probably around somewhere from like 11 to like 16. That's probably where I put them, somewhere in that range. Because uh, I feel like most of those guys in that range are all interchangeable. Um, that's actually the same place where I rank Jack Flaherty as well. And I think... Let's see, who else did they... I think that's it. Yeah. Um, they got Adam Eaton as well, who will come back to that team. And probably start in the outfield. Uh... Just because you have Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Robert Robert, I don't know how to say it, and I'm pretty sure other than that, their other starting option would be Adam Engel, so I do believe that uh, Eaton will come on and be a starting right fielder. He didn't play center field like he used to. Um... I believe, yeah, he played center field, right? Adam Eaton was a center fielder. And then, you know, that puts that, like like I was saying before, that White Sox rotation is probably going to go Lynn, Giolito, Keuchel, all three of which I think came in top 12 of Cy Young voting this year. I maybe, I think Keuchel came top 5. Giolito came, Giolito and Lance Lynn both came top 7, I believe. I may, I may be wrong, though. Maybe I, I know they all were top 12, at least. I think they were all top 10, too. Um, I'll have to check that. If I if I mess up here, I'll have to, I'll have to talk about it in my next podcast. That'll be funny. So, yeah, we're drawing close to that 30-minute mark, like I said. So I think the best way to just say goodbye is... Um, this has been 3Out Podcast. This is the first episode... And, you know, you know what to do. Just go follow my TikTok. Uh, like I said, Belly Bombs, like B-E-L-L-I dot bombs. There you can find that. Go subscribe to my Perfect Game Podcast channel. We play video games and talk about baseball and that. And the Perfect Game Podcast TikTok will also be under the name Perfect Game Podcast. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And, yeah. Goodbye.